For tuning in to the 524th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Earl's Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I'll thank you for making me in this show part of your day. Whether it be a Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Air Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast, the upper platform you may be listening to me via. Ben Court from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, per the new usual. Gonna have a great podcast for all you guys today. Gonna have Kenny Sem on to recap and break down the last week of the regular season in the NFL, week 18. Before I get to that conversation with Kenny, I'm going to get my shameless plug. As always, first-time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically Spotify. Everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at Nitrant underscore Lane. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find that I post two to five-minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly... If you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, I've been on the pod, then fret not, worry not, folks. But just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kenny Sim on the show. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for Trans 47 Sports, to break down and recap and discuss everything that went down for Week 18, the last week of the NFL regular season. Kenny, how you doing? How you feeling? How you living, my guy? Well, it's all over. Do you have fun? I had a... I mean, this season, this season always, it's like jumping on a treadmill. I mean, it just felt like week one was yesterday, and here we are. NFL regular season is over today. This season moves extremely fast. And now we're into the postseason. So we're going to start with the Packers and the Lions. Lions win 20-16. to 16. Icing the game on a fourth and one. I thought they were going to run it, and then they throw a Jared Goff sealing the game and sending Green Bay home, which was a win and end game for Green Bay. If they won, they would have been in the playoffs. And now it is Seattle who's going to be in the playoffs as the seventh seed. Did Aaron Rodgers play his last game in Lambeau Field, Kenny? I no one has any idea what this guy, what he's going to do. Um, you know, he's got, I believe, two years and a hundred million dollars still. So that's a lot of money to turn down to keep playing. Um, I'd probably side on him coming back. But who knows with him. Do you think everything is fine and well with him in Green Bay? Him and the organization? 
Yeah, I mean, the, you know, they got Christian Watson, early second-round pick. And as the season went on, he started getting more and more of a rapport with him. You know, you take a look at what he did. This is a guy who could probably... Um, you know, back half of the year, he got all his touchdowns. He had seven touchdowns in nine games. Um, the, the, the targeted approach really increased, too, in the middle of November with the amount of targets he was getting, catches he was getting, and, and he was turning in really good performances. Um, you know, I still think they need to improve with their weapons um, besides Christian Watson. I like their two running backs they have. Um, and then their defense, defensively, they, they already put in a lot of resources um, with them, with Preston Smith, Shark Gary, Eric Stokes, a lot of first-round picks, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, so... That's a group that has the talent and resources allocated to it, but they did not perform like a top 10 unit that they were supposed to this year. And I think that hurt them. And I know they lost today, but it's hard to make the playoffs when you start four and eight. And really their first two months really did them in second half of the year they looked like the Packers team that we expected but it was that first half of the year where you know you get to four and eight that's a hard ask to win five in a row in the NFL having to run the table even with an easier schedule that they had down the stretch up until today and this was a Packers team, though, Kenny. They started 3-1, and one, I believe, to start the season. And then they went through that awful funk where they just, you know, they started losing games and it all came to crescendo when they got destroyed by the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football. And Jalen Hurts ran for, like, over 200 yards. It was crazy. The Eagles ran for, like, a total of over 300 yards, something crazy like that, and they just ran it down. Aaron Rodgers leaves out the game. Jordan Love comes in. People are wondering if Aaron's going to play again. So you are right, that consistency. Really used to be there because one game, they won one more game earlier in the year, then they're in the playoffs right now, right? Now they're uh, sitting at home. The Lions, though, Dan Campbell converting a fourth and one. Uh, this Lions program is going to be something to reckon with. I like this program a lot. You know, I wonder if the Packer, if, if the Lions were more dangerous with the Seahawks lose with 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 the Seahawks winning to eliminate them because the Lions had nothing to lose. I mean, there's some fourth down calls, hook and ladders that I don't know if they run if it's a game where they needed to win to get in the playoffs. So they had nothing to lose tonight. I love the hook and ladder on second and seventeen. They came out throwing when the Packers thought they were running, and then they were running that two man. Rub route all night on fourth and short. Packers were expecting it. They widened out, but the receiver, DJ Chark, just ran a little spot route 
right inside to sat down wide open. That's offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, and that's and that's running an offense, not running plays. That's running an offense where plays build off each other. And this guy, really dynamic offense. Ben Johnson is running as a young coordinator. And Campbell and toughness inside the trenches. Uh, I was pressed with the offensive line, blowing them off the ball. Even the defensive line were getting stops on short yardage plays. And then a couple of the young guys, too. Yeah, they got Aiden Hutchinson. But also on defense, that Kirby Joseph today had that interception on Aaron Rodgers. Should have had a, a first one if it wasn't for a penalty. Um, so they got. So they've been acquiring a lot of young guys. And they have the uh, the uh, Rams top five pick, so they could continue to do that. But this is a team now that they missed the playoffs. They do have a second place schedule next year, but they're going to be a, a pick to uh, make the playoffs next year. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson was phenomenal during this game. Uh, consistently creating pressure off the edge. The closing speed is phenomenal. The hands, uh, the power. I think Aiden, when I'm looking at it this game and I'm seeing how dominant he is, the Packers can't seem to block him. Almost one time, he almost caused Aaron Rodgers' strip sack. He almost did that. He probably should have been the number one pick. Yeah, he was in the running for that. Um, That was a... higher ceiling player um more traits but Aiden Hutchinson had a better season though I mean I don't know how much higher Trayvon Walker's ceiling is than Aiden Hutchinson I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to be one of the best pass rushers in this league for a long long time wow yeah I mean he's already a 10 sack guy as a rookie during this game was Quay Walker pushing a trainer. Kitty, have you ever seen something so flagrantly stupid and selfish? Just bad. I don't know why he's... I mean, the, I mean, the trainer's tending to an injured player. So I don't know what that shoving was. Remember, Quay Walker was also injured against the Bills 
and he ran onto the field to celebrate with the defense on a turnover as an ejection. Players injured on the sidelines cannot go onto the field to celebrate in the end zone. So he was ejected Sunday night football against the Bills. Ejected again today on Sunday night football against the Lions. Kids got to get a lot smarter. I know he's a rookie, but I mean, these are, I mean, both of those are just, just unacceptable behavior that should be rudimentary to learn. One thing I'll say about the Packers, though, for next year. Very interesting to watch next year. The wide receiver combination of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I think that could potentially be something very interesting. Dobbs is more of that technical, bigger body route runner. And then you see Christian Watson being that guy who can really take the top off the defense. He's really quick. He's really twitchy on a lot of those deep throws. He's blowing right by people. I do think that's going to be an interesting combination the next few years in Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely want to pair probably a veteran with that group, too, if development is is halted during the season. But those two nice players really like the ceiling of Christian Watson. Um, think about getting a veteran receiver as well. And then, you know, you got a safety valve with a veteran. Those two young guys keep coming along. If they, if they take a big jump in year two, that could be a nice, you know, receiver group for Aaron Rodgers. So now we're going to go to the Buffalo Bills. They beat the New England Patriots today, 35-23. to uh, Kenny, I will say this. Uh, the Patriots, their offense is abominable. Matt Patricia needs to be fired. Mac Jones, God bless Mac Jones, unathletic. Weak under pressure, can't throw on the run when he's moved off his spot. Uh, Not a very strong arm. Uh, Made a lot of bad decisions that he had three interceptions. I'm out on Matt Jones. I'm out on Matt Patricia. And the only reason I'm not out on Bill Belichick is because he has seven rings, Kenny. I just want a funeral very quickly for the Patriots. Well, you take a look at Matt Jones. I think Matt Jones needed to have ideal circumstances around him to be an upper-level quarterback. Uh, did not help with that offensive coordinator they had. Um, you know, he took a step back. Completion percentage, yards, yards per attempt, touchdowns, interceptions, quarterback rating. Everything was down. And start looking. The one thing about Matt Jones is where's the ceiling? When he was a rookie, is that the ceiling? Is that the best he's going to be? And I think it is. But even if it is, they need to get weapons around him. Yeah, look at the division you're in. Not only the division, but the conference. They want to make the playoffs and do some damage. you got to score 30 points against the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals. And even that might not be enough. So... They've had a terrible time evaluating receivers. Um, you know, they spent the, um, hundreds of millions of dollars two years ago in the offseason for Hunter Henry and Jonah Smith. That has not worked out. And they're, they're directionless on offense. I think they got to bring in Bill, Bill O'Brien. Um, and they gotta they got to act pretty quickly on that one because he is going to be in high demand. 
but I think coaching staff has, you know, dwindled over time. And for the Patriots now, Bill Belichick had one losing season over the last or over 20 years with Tom Brady. He now has two losing seasons in the last three years now. So they need to overhaul the coaching staff. I think going outside the Patriots family would be a good move to get a fresh voice in, especially on the offensive side of the ball because, you know, they're not scaring anyone. Yeah, they're the offense is just awful. It's awful. No separation. Directionless. Do you think Bill O'Brien though can really fix everything? I mean, because is he he still? So you think he can fix a lot? He can fix a lot. He is an excellent play caller and coordinator of offensive football, but receiver room needs to increase. So that needs to get better. And they have just had, they have had a massive blind spot for picking receivers. They they do not pick receivers well, but they definitely need to improve that receiver group. Um, probably looking to move on to Jonas Smith and Hunter Henry. One of those two, uh, their guaranteed money is out. Offensive line is solid, uh, but having Bill O'Brien would help. Uh, Mac Jones probably get back to the level he was last year, but to take that big step to compete in the division, they definitely need to improve their weapons to elevate Mac Jones to better than last year. I mean, he was solid last year. You know, he, he he was upper half quarterback, but you know, first round pick to get where he needs to be. Um, you take a look at other guys in the draft class. You know, like a Trevor Lawrence to be up to speed with him even. And they need to get better weapons as well. So that's going to be one of the things I'll be looking at in the offseason for the Patriots. So in terms of the Bills, uh, one thing that did concern me about the Buffalo Bills is the fact that if you really take out Naeem Hines' two uh, kick returns for touchdowns, I mean, that's six so that's 12 points you take 12 points away that's 23 23 this Patriots team isn't very good and then it becomes a last you know walk-off field goal game potentially right any concerns about the fact that I don't think the Bills dominated this game as much as the score suggested right I mean this it's 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 really just protecting the ball on turnovers and that's been something all year, that's been a problem with Buffalo, despite, you know, even having big leads. But, I mean, if they protected the football, they were number one in the NFL point differential. If they can cut those turnovers in half, they really run away with that. And they probably run away as the best team in the NFL. And, you know, they, they had the turnovers... You know, it, it, you know, you take away those two kick returns, um, but the Patriots got three points off turnovers too. So a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, points left on the field, short, short field, Josh Allen, he finishes, he ends up finishing the season, um, with, what was it? The most, um, second most turnovers of his career 
14 picks this year among the league leaders, and it's protecting the football is going to be paramount for them winning in the playoffs. If they do that, I got a lot of confidence that they can move on. But even if they're ahead, they make a couple of tur- turnovers, Bills might be winning the yardage, winning the game. All of a sudden, they look. You know, whereas the first round, second round, halftime, look like the Bills dominated, and they're up only 14-13. So, you know, if the Bills do um, not win the Super Bowl, that seems like that's a foreshadowing that is going to be the turnovers or self-inflicted ruse that ultimately do them in. Now, the Bills obviously do the DeMar Hamlin situation. The Bills and Bengals game didn't get to be played. The Bills are going to be the two seed, which means likelihood, Bengals divisional round, then the Chiefs and the conference championship, and then whoever comes out of the NFC and whoever comes out of the NFC, whether it's the Cowboys, Eagles, 49ers, I think will be more than worthy. So any concerns about the fact that now they're going to have to win three really tough games, and even the Dolphins game I think could be potentially tricky depending on what happens with the quarterback situation because that's an end-division opponent who's played you really tough yeah. and has beaten you. So this is probably the toughest possible row for Buffalo. So any concerns about that? No, I mean, the AFC is a total war zone in the playoffs. Just look at the quarterbacks played. It's a complete war zone. It's going to be tough. Turnovers are going to be very important to win. Um, but the, play the Dolphins next week. Um, they played that game in Buffalo, I know, a few weeks ago. Dolphins actually had the ball late with a chance to take the lead. Against the Bills, I think the Bills beat the brains in of the Dolphins. And then, you know, they get the matchup that was expected. Probably looking at a 2-3 matchup at home against the Bengals. That's going to be a barn burner. And, you know, the cancellation of the game, if anything, it helped the Bills. It guaranteed them that they would have the home game. If they lost to the Bengals, it would have been the three seed. So they get the Bengals at home. That is going to be a complete war. And then if they do win, now they play the Chiefs, this game is on a neutral site. If the Bills would have won, they would have been the one seed. I don't. But if they lost, you know, that's, that's where the whole hypothetical comes in. So at least if the Bills play the Chiefs in the playoffs, it's not at Arrowhead. It will be at a neutral site. Um, but this is always going to be known that the AFC is going to be, it is going to be must-see TV, but it is going to be, it's going to be a war zone of these, of, of these top-tier quarterbacks. And anything can happen in a one-game scenario. But the Bills roster, they have everything they need, though, to come out of the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. They have everything they need. So, with a healthy defense now, mostly home games, um, you know, playing inspired football for DeMar Hamlin, I like the Bills' chances, but 
there's going to be uh, very competitive games, and they could go either way. So now I want to go to the Bengals. They smashed in the Baltimore Ravens, winning 27-16. So I I do want to get to this, too, and this kind of goes into the Bills thing as well and the Chiefs. The Bengals, apparently, they were reportedly very upset about how, I guess, the NFL handled uh, how they were going to disperse, you know, the playoff criteria now because it's changed inherently because uh, of the DeMar Hamlin injury and that Bills-Bengals game Monday Night Football was never able to uh, be finished. So do you think the Bengals have a legitimate gripe? Because it seems like they're the team out of this that really gets the short end of the stick out of everybody. No, I don't think they have any gripe whatsoever because the only difference in the playoffs is if it's between two teams that played an uneven amount of games. 17 games and 16 games. That's when a neutral site would come up hypothetically because the outcome was in doubt. But that divisional game between the Bengals and Bills, both of those teams played 16 games. So Bills have home field because they have the better record. And that's just the, those are just just total unforeseen circumstances happen. And so because of that, it's 16-16. It's an even game. You go off winning record. Um, you know, even the coin even the coin flip. If Baltimore would have won today, and Baltimore had no desire to win today, they they rested the majority of their starters. That is a coin flip because you know. The Bengals had a half-game lead, and again, you do not know what would have happened in that Monday night game. If they lost, and they lost today, then the Ravens have a better record. So so um, that's no longer the case now since the Bengals won today. They had a game-and-a-half lead with only a half a game possibly remaining. They were the better team, so they are the three seed. And then if they play the Bills... Um, you know, it's sixteen sixteen. So it's a it's a even it's an even record to go off of, so you go off standard standard tie breaking procedures, Bills have the better record. Um, and it's also hard to potentially find a neutral site on such short notice as well. Um, a true neutral site somewhere. They're having a tough time finding it right now for a potential AFC championship, let alone a divisional championship. But the only thing, the the, the only schedule change that that was altered was Bills Chiefs would be a neutral site. That's really the only thing that changed in this whole thing. Do you think Lamar Jackson is playing versus the Bengals wild card weekend? I mean, he hasn't. Not only hasn't he played since his his knee sprain, he hasn't even practiced in four weeks. So I don't. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I. I heard reports he had swelling in his knee still. Uh, I, it's, he's an enigma. 
got players playing injured. People are going to be looking at him, saying, "I mean, it, I mean, how healthy does he need to be to be, you know, playing?" Um, and I know that contract further muddies the water. So I have no idea if if if, if he is even normal. If he's even, you know, if he can put a brace on it or. You know, practice. He should be able to go, but he hasn't practiced. Now, I don't know how much of that has to do with injury versus financial contracts. Um, but he, he is a complete enigma. And, and uh, John Harbaugh was done talking about that this week. He made no. So I, I would think. That he plays because it's been what going on now? What five weeks now? I think a little over a month. Oh yeah. So you know, typically that's a normal. Uh, typically, a knee sprain could heal in that amount of time, especially when Adam Schefter said, "Got to be back by Christmas Eve." So I would think. He plays, I would give him a 52% chance of playing. But if he doesn't play, that is going to very, very uh, really make that offseason free agency very complex if he does not play at all. If Lamar Jackson does not play, he will never play again for the Baltimore Ravens. I don't believe that. Unless maybe he's more hurt than we actually know. That's Maybe also that that's also scenario. But if this has become a situation now where this is contractual, purely contractual, and that's why he's just not playing, and that's what he's voicing to them. I mean, I guess you got to do what you got to do monetarily wise, right? I mean, teams can cut players anytime they want, so I guess he can do that if he feels like he's being treated unfairly. But I don't know how you go back to that situation after just saying I'm healthy, but I'm not playing. I don't know how that gets mended yeah. either way, because that just seems very ugly and in bad faith. Now, next we're going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs, Kenny, uh, beating the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday, uh, securing the one seed, though, as you said about the, when we were talking about the Bills, I guess it doesn't mean too much because an AFC Championship game versus Buffalo will be a neutral site game. Where would you like to see a Chiefs versus Bills neutral site game take place? Keeping it within the NFL, I'd like to have it in a dome, ideal, high-scoring conditions, whether or not a factor to decide it between the two top teams. Um, you know, weather is not a variable here. And so, looking around, I know Detroit and Indianapolis I believe are booked already that weekend. So my next focus would go up to Minnesota. And they have hosted a Super Bowl. They play in a phenomenal stadium, Dome. 
So if Minnesota is open, wonder if that is an option. If not, you start moving down south. How about Atlanta? Dome again. Neutral site, kind of both, both cities somewhat, you know, the same distance. So maybe Atlanta. Um, but I would like to um, have a game where weather is not a factor. So you eliminate that almost like a Super Bowl. You eliminate that at a neutral site. So weather is taken out of the equation. Yeah. How much of a holdup? How, how long do you think it will take before the NFL figures out where that neutral site game would take place? Oh, this week they'll have it. This week. Okay, this week. Um, yeah, this week. Yeah, you, you got New Orleans. I mean, I would say, you know, one of those Florida teams or the Cowboys, but, you know, one of them might be hosting a game in their own. You know, so, so this is about thinking thinking ahead, you know, Tampa, Miami, or, or, or it would not be Miami in this case, but, but, but Tampa or Dallas might be hosting the NFC champ, championship. So that needs to come into play where they want to have this decided this week um, with enough time for all the logistics and tickets and whatnot. So, I mean, I'm le- uh, that's, that's what I'm leaning towards. You know, Minnesota now could host one. So, you know, looking at a dome with a team out of it, now thinking about it, maybe New Orleans or Atlanta, both those teams, dome, neutral site, both of them have hosted Super Bowls and big-time football games. The issue, I think, with New Orleans, I feel like that's too close to Missouri. I would I wouldn't consider that necessarily neutral site. If you're trying to also you're trying to also have it like relatively the same distance, which I feel like makes this a tad bit tricky as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think though, at the end of the day, how much of a difference do you think? like? Let's imagine, right? Again, Bills versus Bengals happens. Bills win. Let's say the Bills were the one seed, Chiefs were the two seed. How much of a difference do you think it will actually make if? Kansas City has to go into Buffalo or it's a neutral side game. Well, whoever was well, well, whoever was going to host the champion, the the AFC championship, whether it be you know <clears throat> just was normal circumstances, um, or now said a neutral site. If if, if if those teams ever happen to play. Um, in the conference championship, I would say the favorite in that game would be the home team. I would make the home team a three-point favorite. So now that that is taken out, it's a it's a neutral site. That that game would I mean that would be a pickup between Chiefs Bills. What do you think? Any injury and, and, and any major injury to any major player. What do you think the line would be on that game? I would lean the Bills. I would put the Bills, make the Bills a one-point favorite right now. 
So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break and get up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're gonna keep talking about week 18 of NFL action. Get up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports. I'm going to have Kenny Sim with us, getting expert for 47 Sports as we break down and recap everything that went down for Week 18 of NFL action. So, Kenny, the Eagles, they beat the Giants 22-16. Jalen Hurts did not look absolutely fantastic at all. Uh, Really looked a step slow. Same with the Eagles offense in general. Looked a little bit lethargic. And what was a little concerning is that the Giants basically called off the dogs for this game because they couldn't really improve their seed. So any concerns about the Eagles offense right now? And I know they're going to have the bye, so that helps too to maybe get things back on track a little bit better. But any concerns? That is very much needed to now have two weeks off. So you add all that time that Jalen Hurts missed over the last two weeks, adding in another, you know, two weeks, should be good to go by then. Remember, it was a it, it was a throwing shoulder sprain that was a little bit more serious than a standard AC joint sprain. Uh, but, but the Eagles come in, they come in the playoffs limping in. So I got some concerns about their health. They have Lane Johnson is playing through, you know, a, Torn hip, torn midsection. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson should be back. He was designated to return. Um, you know, nickel corner still a question. So they come in a little bit banged up. And their turnover differential has quickly shifted the last half of the year to a negative number. Um, so because of that, they're at home. I still like their chances to win, but not as high on them to come out of the NFC as I wore as I was when they were like eight and zero, nine and zero. You know, getting everybody back and having to hit the ground running. If you just picture in two weeks from now the divisional round, the Eagles are going to have a lot of time off. They got to come out of that game, hit the ground running, firing on all cylinders with no rust, and they're going to be playing a red hot team. Because one of those teams that they play is going to have a big win in Wild Card Weekend, and they're going to be coming in very hot. So, this is a classic case where number one seeds, like the Eagles, um, have struggled in this position. And over the last few years, with how um, how easy it is to come from behind, you know, double-digit comebacks, how easy it is to come from behind if you're losing compared to 15 to 20 years ago, it's, it's going to be a, you know, a tight game. But because of their health and, you know, with Josh Sweat even having an injury, their ability to get home to the passer has not been what it was earlier in the year. So I got... Major questions. I find the number one question is getting after the passer 
which they've been able to do. Now, now if they're not able to get home against one of these top quarterbacks now, it's going to be tough sledding for them because, you know, now when you're playing, you know, upper half quarterbacks and whether it be, you know, Tom Brady or Dak Prescott, more than likely, when you play a top 10, top 12 quarterback in the NFL without pressure. They look like a top five quarterback. (laughs) Yeah, you take a look at their splits. I mean, I mean, they're, 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 most of those guys under no pressure, their passer rating is over 100 with great touchdown to interception ratio too. So that's be my question is, can the Eagles generate pressure? Do you think Jalen Hurts should have played this week or do you think the Eagles should have rested him another week? I know, right, because the bye is, it would have been two more weeks. Yeah. I think it's good to play today. Um, if he was healthy enough to play, he should. Um, you know, they they still needed at the end of the day to win the game. But um, if, if, if he was healthy enough just to get some reps in instead of having to be off, you know, five weeks without that, probably did him well. Um, you know, he knows any limitations he might have with the shoulder injury and test that. And then with another two weeks off, you know, if he was 80, 85% today, now you know what that looks like. You get back up with another two weeks off, you get, you know, hopefully closer to 90, 95%. Now you know your limits and um, how far you can push it. It was always a little um, curious. He he was never ruled out over the last two weeks until late in the week. So that made me think that if it was a playoff game, you know, the last couple of weeks, Chris, uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Day, if it was a playoff game, he'd be able to go. So, you know, they got it out of the system today and seeing what he could do and whatnot, get re- reacclimated in. And now he has two weeks off again to get rested. So, should be fine, I would guess, um, in a couple of weeks when they play again. What's your confidence level uh, with the Giants heading into the playoffs? Confidence level's at a seven with them. Where I think they could come into Minnesota and steal a game. They got the coach advantage. They are playing with house money. Um, You know, they're going to be a team that's going to really empty the tank. So I would expect heavy workload for Saquon Barkley, who um, they have cut down his workload since that game against the Commanders that they needed to win, knowing that they're in the playoffs. So I would expect I would expect over 20 carries for him. Very similar to that um, Commanders game on Sunday Night Football. Daniel Jones, full, full reign to run the football, which is what he has been able to do. Um, and that defense, you know, now when you get Dexter Lawrence and Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau coming after the passer, that's a defense that could generate some turnovers. 
on Kirk Cousins, definitely. Um, so they're playing with house money. They were close in that game they played a few weeks ago, and they lost 27-24. So they were right there. So I give them a great chance to upset Minnesota. Minnesota got a win today, but they have, um, you know, up until that point, they had a negative point differential this year. I think today, with the win over the Bears, I think they finally got into the positives. No, they're minus three. So they still have that negative point differential. So I would say of all the division winners, they might be the most vulnerable. So I give the Giants a great chance to upset the Vikings. And you really think there's a coaching advantage? You think Brian Dable's a much better coach than uh, Kevin O'Connell? Oh, yeah. I think he's the coach of the year this year based on what he's been able to do with the roster given to him. So you take a look at the two other co- coaches that are getting a lot of hype for coach of the year, Nick Sirianni and Kyle Shanahan. Well, let's put them together to Brian Dable. Brian Dable was the only coach on that te- on, of those three to not make the playoffs last year. To have the worst roster um, and worst quarterback of those three, and to do that much with a limited roster in year one, too, mind you. Um, you know, I think he's the coach of the year, and he, and, 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 and he will get creative with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So I like his ability as well with a second go-around against the Vikings defense, which has really struggled recently to be able to find some advantageous advantages and, 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 and take advantage of those. So now we have the Dallas Cowboys beating, uh, excuse me, not beating, losing to the Commanders 26-6. to six. Uh, Very uninspiring because the Cowboys were actually trying to win this game. Uh Dak Prescott, 14 of 37, really struggles. The offense as a whole, just lethargic, a slept slow, couldn't really run the ball, struggled in passing situations. How concerning is this for you, Kenny, for a team that, in order for them to win the Super Bowl, even though I think we'd agree they're a top three team in the NFC, they're going to have to win multiple road games. So the fact that they could be so anemic versus the Commanders, who aren't a great football team by any means, how concerning is that? Yeah, this is definitely a concern for them. This was such a lackluster effort today. And I know, you know, week 17s get a little a little wonky. Yeah, they could have won the division or gotten the one seed, but the 49ers and the Eagles were over two touchdown favorites. Probably was not going to happen, but you still want to win and play hard. Um but the bottom line was, in this case, the commanders took it to them today. And so, you know, going having to go on the road is going to be a coin flip for them. So I got some questions because they're, they're a 500 team on the road. They are 4-4 four and four on the road, 8-1 and one at home this year. Very astute point you made that they're probably, if they're going to have to make the Super Bowl, they're probably going to win three on the road. I don't see it happening. The uh, turnovers have become a factor. And here's another one. 
Uh, this was, you know, maybe the most concern I have with the Cowboys is they were extremely opportunistic in the first half of the year to get home to the passer. And, you know, getting sacks, those splash plays, but also getting pressure on the quarterback to create turnovers. Their sack numbers, first 12 weeks to the last five weeks, the last six weeks, they have really gone down um, in a very alarming number. Micah Parsons has one and a half sacks the last six games. One and a half sacks the last six games. The first 11, he had 11 and a half sacks. Almost a sack a game. So that pass rush has really dwindled down. I want to say they, they, they only have, they only have like five or six sacks the last six games. So getting that pass rush back and, you know, Michael Parsons, last drive against the Eagles, looked like he was a little gassed. So if that pass rush does not get home, you know, they become more vulnerable in the secondary. And big week for Mike McCarthy. If this team gets blown out by Tampa Bay or they put on a really bad performance against Tampa Bay, yeah. people are the, – the, the Sean Payton rumblings are going to start again in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, and that's one very conveniently Sean Payton cannot physically interview for a job because he's under con- contract until the 17th. The 17th is the day after the Monday night playoff game between Dallas and Tampa. So, you know, I know it seems crazy to think Mike McCarthy, two years in the playoffs, he's going to get fired. Jerry Jones getting a little older in the tooth, does not have a lot of time to wait. Got a really nice roster. So, Sean Payton, I know he's linked right now to Denver for a team that has a coach opening sure he's going to wait a little bit longer until he sees the result of what Dallas does in the playoffs. If anything for him, just to get another team bidding for his services, but it's a big spot for Mike McCarthy. Remember last year in the wild card game, one of the boneheaded plays in the playoffs, that quarterback draw with Dak Prescott in a fire drill situation and they ran it, and they did not have enough time to spike the spike the ball to run another play. So Mike McCarthy, a lot of pressure on him, big spot because he's a favorite against Tampa. But that game is going to be a lot closer than people think. And Tampa already beat them. They did. They took it to him week one, 19-3. So next we're going to go to the Miami Dolphins. They beat... The New York Jets, 11-6 in an ugly football game. Skylar Thompson getting the win. Mike McDaniels in the playoffs for the first time. His first year coaching for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, first of all, is Tua going to be able to play in the playoff game, Kenny? Or is another that just one. done? Yeah, another one. Not sure. He's got the concussion. Um, want to say his first concussion when he went down on Thursday night football against the Bengals. I think he missed three games. So 
this is going to be, if he does start against the Bills, that would be about three calendar weeks from when he had that concussion on Christmas Day. Three calendar weeks. Typically, that is enough time to clear the protocol and not have symptoms. Now, not sure with Tua, you know, with his history, if he's going to be clear and not have symptoms. Let alone if he does come back, you know, second half of that Green Bay game, he really struggled. A lot of people found the hit that he suffered in the middle of the game. So if he does come back, you know, that's going to be his first time back in action. Is he going to be a little rusty early on against the Bills? Now, he's going to have to go into Buffalo and be ready to rock and roll first play. Um, So right now, again, like Lamar Jackson, I I think this one's 50-50. I think another one 50-50 on whether he plays or not. Typically, enough time, but with Tua and his history, I don't know if three weeks is going to be enough time to clear the protocol and be, you know, functional. Miami has no chance if Tua doesn't go, right? There's no chance. Yes, yeah, and even even if he's cleared, I wouldn't expect Tua, you know, when he came back and he was healthy and... You know, he really got into that groove in the first three games of the year, and then he found his groove in November after the concussion settled. He got a couple of games under his belt. That Tua, who was a borderline MVP, leading the league in passer rating, even if he does come back, I don't know if he's going to be at that level. Now, he gives them, if he is healthy, of the three quarterbacks, definitely gives them the best chance to win, but I would not expect him to play you know, at that high level that he was. So now we're going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars clinching a playoff berth versus the Tennessee Titans 20-16. What does it say about the Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson era? It's a setup really nicely for him. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson said he just needed to get Trevor Lawrence's confidence back after last year. Um, just how bad, you know, one of my takeaways, just how bad that situation was with Urban Meyer last year. How, how bad was that? And for them to come back, you know, this is, this is year two of Trevor Lawrence, year one of Doug Peterson to make the playoffs and really get going. That's impressive that they did it this quick. But also, you start looking around that division. Indy and Houston are going to have new quarterbacks. Those teams are messes. New head coaches. Tennessee, they might need to blow it up. So this division is set up for the Jags to really slowly build something into the future. And they got the coach. I think they got the quarterback. And they're developing you know, a roster that has a lot of speed. They got a lot of speed at the edges on defense. They got a lot of speed at receiver and even at tight end and at running back. So they're developing a nice little young roster. And Duval County, 
where Jacksonville plays, their slogan is Duvall. Duvall was rocking last night. That was their first sellout in 10 years. And I think Jacksonville has a great shot to beat the Chargers. They blew them out earlier in the year. They did. They took it too long. Um, but, you know, to make the playoffs and win that division in year one, something that was kind of, um, you know, maybe a little trendy, but maybe two years away, they were kind of a trendy pick to make the playoffs. But to actually do it um, and uh, finish with a winning record, they are really set up nice. You know, they are building, uh, I think they're building a nice little team down there. Yeah, a lot of young town, a lot of first-round picks, a lot of really physically gifted players, Trayvon Walker, Andrew Sisco, Tyson Campbell. Uh, Tyson Campbell was big last night. Travis Etienne. A lot of talent, a lot of talent. Devin Lloyd, um, a lot of people's linebacker one coming out of this past NFL draft. How much of an indictment do you think all of this is on Urban Meyer? Well, yeah, I mean, huge. I mean, basically, you know, they spent some money in free agency, but basically the same team was here this year from last year. Same team, different coach. They go from, you know, two wins to nine in the division. And Lawrence looks like a totally different quarterback this year. He has played like a top ten quarterback in touchdown passes and rating. Um, and just and just the performance on the field down the stretch. You know, a team that was four and eight, I want to say. Um, you know, that big game. He had a lot of big games. Big game against the Ravens. Big game against the Cowboys. Definitely does not do that with Urban Meyer. So he has a functional coach who knows how to coach quarterbacks. Um, just a great job for the Jags this year. Now, can you give me a funeral for the Tennessee Titans? Uh, the Tennessee Titans, you know, they had a huge... Um, you know, their roster broke down over time. I mean, you think about why they had to start Josh Dobbs because Ryan Tannehill got hurt, and then they missed on Malik Willis. That they did not have any confidence in him. That they had to pick up Josh Dobbs from the Lions practice squad. Uh, you, you know, you talk about the uh, Patriots receivers. How about Tennessee's receivers? You know, an aging Robert Woods. It's going to take a while before Traylon Burks is even 80% of A.J. Brown. Um, over time, you know, their, their line has deteriorated. Traylon Burks isn't even Robert Woods. <laughs> yeah, and they still got a nice, you know, they got a nice defense, but there's still holes there. I mean, you know, they let Rashard Evans go, Dory Jackson. So they need to rebuild this team and... You know, I think it's a, you know, they could move on from Tannehill this year, I think would be a move. Um, and I don't even know if they have their quarterback on the roster. If they start Malik Willis in the same roster, maybe they do get a top five pick. Um, but a reset with them would help. And they have a new, 
a new GM's going to come in, whoever that might be, and they could use, you know, a little bit of a reset to build up this roster. Because even last year when they were winning as the one seed, that was all variable that got them there, that that was not a talented roster and quickly came home, um, you saw in the playoffs last year. Um, so they need a little bit of a reset, and they're going to be an interesting team to see if they still play to win or if they try to, you know, go younger. You know, something that, you know, even like something, something that the Seahawks did, whether they can't get the return for Russell Wilson, obviously, but, you know, Tannehill and Henry, I mean, Henry only has a finite amount of carries left. He can't do it all for the next five years. So this looks like a roster that might need a little bit of a rebuild. And if they don't, or if they try to prolong that and try to keep winning with a subpar roster, they can really get in trouble and get behind the eight ball as teams like Jacksonville get better and teams like Colts and the Texans get younger and they rebuild. So it's going to be an interesting team to watch this offseason what they do. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break and then kind of next set of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to keep talking Week 18 FNFL action. Kind of next set of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Same game parlays, easy fast payouts, player prop options, etc., etc. You guys know the deal. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and place a same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TBPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do, only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. And now it's time for you, Mariah. All I want for Christmas is you. You love the holidays and you love betting. Oh, we're back with the Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Kenny Sim with us. So, Kenny, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Chicago Bears 29-13. Thoughts on the Vikings as they're heading into the playoffs? Can they crack into that elite tier of the NFC and potentially beat the Eagles, the Cowboys, or the Niners? Games and whenever they play a good team, 
they're getting blown out against the Packers, Eagles, Cowboys. They have been routed. And you know, they're they're getting outgained every game too. I mean, their defense is giving up over 400 yards a game. Um, you know, sack differentials even at a minus. They're not getting home to the core. core, core. Um, God. I mean, well-documented Kirk Cousins' record in primetime. And that's just who he is at this, at this point of his career. That's just who he is. And they're able, you know, to put together some points. But, I mean, defensively, they're going to give up a ton as well. So, I mean, just looking at the roster, other than Daniil Hunter with 10 sacks, their next, I mean, their next guy is three, Patrick Jones. So, not getting home to the quarterback. I think their secondary can be had. It's, it's, it's hidden behind some zone coverage with Cameron Dancer and Patrick Peterson you get a hold of. So, it's a defense I do not have a lot of faith in against those top offenses to get enough stops. And then having, you know, a Vikings offense that is that has had moments where they have struggled at times, they have to go toe-to-toe and play catch-up with, you know, the Eagles or Cowboys in a game that's going to be in the 30s and having to do that and answer the bell time and time again. So I do not have a lot of faith in them. Um, they have been very good in one-score games, but one-score games, those are 50-50 coin flips. All it takes is one now, and they go home. So, I, yeah, I would agree with you on that. I do think the Vikings, it is hard to, when you make a 50-50 proposition, 100%, and that's what they've done winning these close games, it is very hard to keep playing Russian roulette like that. Eventually, you know, the gun's going to go off, right? So that is the issue with the Vikings. So next, we're going to go to the San Francisco 49ers, a team that I'm starting to become very bullish on about potentially winning the NFC. Uh, Brock Purdy, Purdy, Purdy is continuing to play efficient football. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 15 of 20. Seems like he is running the Shanahan offense to perfection. Uh, right now, how dangerous are the Niners? They're looking like they kind of were last year. They're coming on strong at the right time. They are. They were three and four. And then they have ripped off 10 in a row. Um, I got them as the best team right now in the NFC. They've won 10 in a row. They got the highest scoring defense in the NFL. They got the number one defense collectively. Uh, probably defensive player of the year. And that pass rush, which is going to, I mean, their combination, when you break down the games, their ability get home with four and drop seven, be very interested to read the reports from football outsiders on what their opposing quarterbacks do when they face pressure with four because that has been a recipe that's, that San Francisco has feasted on. That is a relentless pass rush. 
that four-man pressure, it feels like five or six. But then you look back, you got seven guys in coverage. They got a guy who shuts down the middle of the field, Fred Warner. And then offensively, Debo Samuel returned. And he got a few catches under his belt. And he even got a carry under his belt as well. Eliza Mitchell, back now. So, they're getting healthy at the right time. You always take a look at the teams, too. Not only who's hot, but who's healthy. The 49ers are getting healthier as the year is going on. And Brock Purdy, again, threw the ball 20 times today. All he has to do is operate whatever the quarterback's role is in each play. Because he is throwing the, I mean, he is throwing the all pros. McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle and Ayuk has really come on. He has done it now for the last six weeks. Um, you know, the only thing that he has to overcome, I know he did it last week against the Raiders, but what happens if San Francisco ever gets down, you know, by double digits? Can he come back against a playoff team? That's it, but this is a roster where he might not have to do it, where they could play you know, this like the 2015 Broncos, the 2000 Ravens, and ride the defense. I mean, that defense gives up under 20 points. He is fully capable of breaking the 20-point mark. That's why I think they're going to be so hard to beat. And and also the toughness of San Francisco. That is that for you here. Um, they're the first team where the opponent of San Francisco... The opponent has lost the following week's games. They're 0-15 on teams that play San Francisco. So that just goes with how you know physical demanding the games are between them. So like the Raiders. They played the Raiders last week. The Raiders lost this week. 0-15 teams that play San Francisco, what they do the following week. So if a team is able to upset them, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to win two in a row. If anybody upsets the 49ers, but uh, they're physical in the trenches, they got the skills, they got the best defense. That is a recipe to win in January. Now, do you think we take Shanahan for granted? Because I feel like when we talk about the best coaches in the NFL, obviously the Belichicks, the Andy Reeds, the Tomlin, Sean Payton's getting a lot of love right now as he's dipping his toe. It seems. Uh, back into the NFL. Uh, Matt LaFleur had a really great start to his career where he was like at the best start ever, like in his first three years or whatever. People were, and Sean McVay obviously uh, gets a lot of love. But I feel like Shanahan isn't talked about as much. People always talk about Shanahan as a great offensive mind, but the coaching job he's doing, it's absolutely phenomenal. It is, and I think it's due to his record of being slightly over 500, but let's look at what quarterback he's working with, you know? It was the case with just Jimmy Garoppolo. With Jimmy Garoppolo is like thirty-seven and fourteen as a starter. But let's take a look at when he does not have that. Or Brock Purdy. Yes, Trey Lance, Ryan Hoyer, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard. Doesn't have an NFL quarterback. I don't care how good you are. If you do not have a functional NFL quarterback, it is going to be hard to break five hundred as a head coach over time. But when he's had good quarterback play, you know, you get stuff like this. Even going back when he had good quarterback play in Atlanta, they make the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan wins MVP. So he is 
one of the few still that is an elite-level play caller with Sean McVay and Andy Reid. And he's able to do that. And what he's doing right now, I don't want to hear excuses of injuries with teams because Kyle Shanahan right now is winning games. He's 6-0 and with Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback as a rookie. So next, we're going to go to the L.A. Chargers beating the Denver Broncos 31-28. Are the Chargers the most dangerous team in the AFC, not named Bengals, Bills, Chiefs? Yeah, because they could go on a run. Um, another team getting healthy at the right time. Now, they have... You know, after that win they had, you know, Sunday Night Football, you take a look, you see, well, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs now because they played such a soft schedule, but they have taken advantage. Um, They have taken advantage of that to win five in a row to end the year. So they come into the playoffs hot, winning five in a row, and they did what they had to do against the Broncos, Rams, Chargers, Titans, um, and they're getting healthy. So... They have the roster to compete. It just wasn't healthy. So now Nick Bosa is back. Keenan Allen back. Even Rashard Slater has been designated to return from IR. So they get an all-pro back. Um, so they're dangerous because they have the players at the top of their roster to compete with other top teams. And it's a similar type roster um, with top-end players as a team like the Bengals did last year when they got hot to make the Super Bowl. So they have a huge ceiling. Um, they're a wild-card team, wild-card in their, um, you know, their variance of how they do. They could go out round one and lose to Jacksonville, or they could beat Jacksonville and then play Kansas City. Hard to beat a team three times in a row. And both of those games, um, the Chargers have lost to the Chiefs by three points this year. So they can easily make it to the AFC championship. Um, so they're a huge wild card. He's seeing about the health this week of Mike Williams. And another, even in a, and, and they have nothing to play for. Even in a game like that, curious coaching moves by Brandon Staley. Having his guys out there in the fourth quarter like that. And Mike Williams... Joey Bosa went down, actually. Joey Bosa, I think's fine. Mike Williams has back spasms now. So, another injury on Wild Card Weekend. We'll see how that progresses. Brandon Staley has done things very much against the grain. I remember versus the Jaguars game where they were getting blown out. He had Justin Herbert in the game just taking shots when Herbert was clearly hobbled. Yeah, yeah, he did. And I, I mean, that game was a 38-7. Yeah, Justin Herbert probably shouldn't have been playing that week. Still taking hits, but to, but today, especially with the Ravens playing at one o'clock, after that Ravens result, the Chargers couldn't improve their seed, win or lose. They were the five seed no matter what. So they should have been taking guys out earlier. I mean, I get playing a guy for a quarter, a quarter and a half to keep that rhythm of that five game win streak, but at some point it's just it's just not a smart move. So, next, we're going to go to the Seattle Seahawks. They beat the L.A. Rams 19-16 in overtime. 
unfortunately, excuse me, fortunately, they will be in the playoffs. I was going to say unfortunately, then I was like, oh, right, the Packers lost, right? Uh, Fortunately, they are going to be in the playoffs. Geno Smith is going to the Bay. Can the Seahawks pull off the upset, right? In division, they both know each other. Can the Seahawks do it? Falcons versus the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers lose uh, to the Falcons 32-17. Called off the dogs a little bit late, uh, you know, late in the game. Uh, How do you like Tampa as they're heading into the playoffs and they're going to be at home versus Dallas? Yeah, so they, I mean, they, they kept a little bit of a rhythm today in the first half and then they kind of sat down their key guys. They were locked into the four seed no matter what happened today. So surprised even some of those guys played. Uh, but, you know, this is a Tampa team where, you know, you take a look at their record. Record, eight and nine. Uh, only five and four at home this year. But I am going to give them a shot because they do have top 10 scoring defense on Dak Prescott. And they showed in the first game that they're going to be able to generate some pressure on him. And that's what you got to do. And then, you know, whether or not this is Tom Brady's 
last year playing, last year playing in Tampa, he is still dangerous if it is close late. And I do think this is going to be a close game. And I like their opportunity to pull an upset here. Because we have seen three times this year, um, you know, against the Rams, um, Saints, Panthers last week, that fourth quarter comeback that he's able to do. And especially if, you know, Cowboys, Dan Quinn, they sit in that cover three, he's going to be able to hit running backs out of the flat, take what the defense gives you, and they're probably going to call on him. If they call on him to throw the ball 45 times and he's not under pressure, they're going to be right in this at the end to win. So I think, again, they have a 50-50 shot to upset Dallas. Now we're going to get to the Steelers. Lastly, Mike Tomlin, another winning season. The Steelers get to 9-8. Unfortunately, they're not going to make the playoffs uh, because tiebreakers, Dolphins are in over them. But what does it say about Mike Tomlin and this program? Back from the dead again, 9-8. and eight. This man has never had a losing record while he's been in the NFL. I mean, this was the year, right? And they finished the year. They finished the year winning four in a row. They went seven out of eight to end the year. They were two and six. And even looked like Mike Tomlin kind of threw in the towel that they were just kind of evaluate at two and six. And, you know, they, they go on that run. But it's a record that he knows he has. His players know he has, and, you know, they definitely knew that and are motivated to keep that running. You just think about it. 16 straight years of a winning, of, of a non-losing record. Um, so to do that shows how good of a coach he is, where he can work with all types of teams, whether it be you know, a Steeler juggernaut team on offense or with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph or this year when he, he was dealt a tough hand. He had, you know, a very young team on offense. And for them to come together still, even with, you know, they have a young offense, but still, I mean, they're 29th in the league at scoring offense still, 17 and a half points per game. So to do that just shows, you know, he is able to get the most out of whatever roster he's given. So, this is not coaching. This is on front office to get him the right pieces because he will get the most out of the team. Is Tom on the top five coach? I mean, he's he's right up there. He he's right up there in that top cat category. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of really good coaches, excellent coaches. So you start off, I mean, you got guys like McVay, Shanahan, and Reed. Then you got Bill. You got Tomlin, Harbaugh in this division, Grable. So, so he's he's in that he's in that top tier, though. You know, that top eight tier of coaches where they're going to have the advantage, you know, week in and week out against eighty percent of the teams, and they're going to get the most out of their team. 
you know, they're going to win as underdogs. They're going to take care of business when favored. Um, but he is in that top tier of, you know, that top quartile of elite coaches in the NFL. Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. And now the fun really begins because, you know, be, you know, with only, uh, what, with, with, with only six games next week? Six games, yeah. With only six games next week, you can really hone in and focus in on, you know, six games instead of 16. And then if you move through the playoffs, getting more and more of a deep dive into each game and breaking it down. So this is great time of year now with the tournament starting in the NFL. And once again, I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 524th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.